Hello and welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to real lawyers about their lives in and out of the practice of law, how they got to be lawyers, and what their experience has been. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. He is a former Bexar County, Texas assistant district attorney. He honed his courtroom skills and then opened his private practice. His firm, based in San Antonio, handles business litigation, will contests in large estates, and fiduciary litigation. He has been named a super lawyer by Texas Monthly and a rising star by superlawyers.com. He has also served as a television commentator and been published in newspapers throughout the state of Texas. Stephen Neal Foster, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Well, thank you very much, Lewis. You know, when you say that all together, it sounds really good. I'm glad that it does. Where, where is your office right now? It is in uh, San Antonio, Texas, kind of the north part of town. Texas is a very big state, and San Antonio is sort of south-central Texas. Is that correct? You got that right. And te- Texas is a big state. And, you know, if, if yeah, just like anyone in Texas, they will let you know that. But, yeah, San Antonio is probably about two hours from the border. San Antonio is known for the Alamo. Is that correct? It is. It is. We're always we're always told, remember the Alamo. You know, the, the Texas didn't win, but we're proud of it anyway. One of the reasons that I was interested in talking to you is that you are in Texas. And it seems lately that there's been a lot of movement by people in California to Texas, including several lawyers that I know. I just thought it'd be interesting to talk to a Texas lawyer, especially someone who's had some experience as a criminal prosecutor. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's growing. If I'm if I'm gone for a week and come back home, there's five new buildings in my neighborhood that have popped up. So what type of practice do you have, Stephen? Well, we do an awful lot of kind of litigation. And a lot of the kind of the specialty areas that we found for ourselves are the areas where lawyers are agreeable and, and just generally speaking, decent human beings, you know, like probate, estate planning. But then we come in when things go horribly wrong. We also do a lot of collections as a turnover receiver from people frequently that have a judgment against them that they're trying to hide or run from or transfer properties into one LLC or in another one or, oh, well, that's actually my mother's trust. You know, all sorts of shenanigans, but it's it's all it's all litigation. It's all fighting. You know, from the from the moment I wake up, I'm struggling with someone. Where are you from originally? Well, I, I was born in Denver, Colorado, and moved around the age of ten. Where'd you go to high school? I went to high school in uh, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, which is probably about ninety miles, kind of. Kind of east, more or less east, a little bit south, but east of Pittsburgh. Coal mining industrial region, which is where my mother's family's from. On my mom's side, it's it's coal miners all the way back until my you know, grandfather sold everything and came to the United States to avoid everything that was going on right before World War II. So I, I'm grateful for that. When you graduated from high school in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where did you go to college? Well, I went to Oklahoma State University in Stillwater, Oklahoma. What prompted you to go there? I mean, it's a long way from Western Pennsylvania. You know, 
my, my dad went there and my, my dad's family is from Oklahoma. And as a result of that, the tuition was a thousand five hundred dollars. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that was that's that's a little that's a little while ago. I mean, I'm not not saying I'm an old timer, but that's you know, something that kids today don't usually have. I don't know what it is now, but I think college everywhere is just way more expensive than it was. How was your experience at college in Oklahoma? Well, I liked it. I had the time of my life. It was I mean it was it was kind of exciting getting away from home. You know, it's kind of that first taste of independence anyone ever has. You know, I I can't say and I did anything but really enjoyed it. Now, when you got out of college, did you go directly to law school or did you take some time off? I, I was finishing up taking summer classes and then I started in the fall. So I, I didn't even take a summer off. I was just kind of just kind of ready to get after it. When did you start thinking about being a lawyer and, you know, kind of what prompted you to go in that direction? Well, I watching court shows on TV there was some uh, court show called Superior Court, and it had a character on there named Anthony Dinopoli that would always be yelling and screaming, and and it just looked like a lot of fun. I didn't really know what a lawyer did, but I, I knew that I didn't want to do manual labor. What did your friends and family say when you told them, hey, I want to be a lawyer? That's a good question. I'm not sure I exactly remember. I mean, I, you know, I, I was always running at the mouth and you know i don't think any of us realized that being a lawyer wasn't just going into court and and running at the mouth so i, I don't know if anybody was surprised how did you happen to go to the district attorney's office well i was working down my first job pretty much my first job my first real solid somebody wanted to actually give me money job was doing insurance defense on uh, medical malpractice cases mostly basically getting them thrown out of court because the plaintiffs would would mess things up. And I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I, I got there. From there I went to the I I went to the district attorney's office in Webb County, Webb and Zapata County, which is right on the border. Uh, I spent a couple of years there. Everybody thinks of it as being what lawyers do. But boy, there's there's no better experience than basically being thrown in there and being told to try a case when you have absolutely no idea what you're doing because you know there's you'll learn something a lot more when you mess it up and embarrass yourself than when you read it in a book that is something that I have sadly had to learn the hard way now at some point you left the district attorney's office and you opened your own practice I did I opened a practice with a couple of my colleagues, my buddies from the DA's office, formed Simpson, Foster & Gold in Texas. I, I started doing a whole lot of civil work. How is actually practicing law met or differed from your expectations about it? Well, I think the level of stress and the level of worry and the, the level of organization that's required. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate that my law partner's my wife in that, you know, she is by far the most organized person I've ever met. And she is on top of everything. And so that, that lets me relax and focus on some things while she does all the worrying. But, you know, even with having someone that is a master organizer and one of the most brilliant women I've ever known, there's still constant worry in the back of your mind thinking, well, should I have done this? Should I have not done this on a case? You know, what's, what's the best use of client funds? Uh, am I wasting my money by doing something? You know, if I get this expert, 
am I wasting $20,000 of my client's money? Or if, if I don't get the expert and lose the case, am I, is that mistake going to cost a half million? Should I file? You know, I mean, as a lawyer, you know that there's a million little decisions that you have to make in a case. And, you know, it just, when you spend your life worrying and never not thinking about it, I mean, there's, there's never a, an evening that goes by that my wife, Ashley, and I aren't talking about a case or, you know, she, she's giving me solid advice about something that I asked about a week ago. And, you know, in, in about 10 seconds, she gives me the answer just kind of out of the blue. What about the business of practicing law? How's that gone for you? And how's that, you know, met or differed from your expectations about it? As a lawyer, I think we lie to ourselves if we don't realize we have a business. You know, if there's lights on, if there's a staff that needs to be paid, you're in business. You bet. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any, any glory or anything, anything noble about saying that you, you know, that you're basically thinking that you're above that because, you know, you're part of a profession. You know, I mean, you, you've, you've still got a staff that's relying on you, and so you need to make more good decisions than bad ones to keep the lights on. Is there anything that you know now that you really wished you knew before you started practicing law? Well, you know, the importance of humility, which kind of ties into what we were discussing earlier about, you know, just just if you don't know something, just speak up and say it. No one's going to think less of you because you don't know everything. But I, I would I would say how much hard work beats talent. You know, you've um, said a couple things that I thought were interesting, and I'm wondering if you could comment on them. One thing you said was that no attorney can do everything. Boy, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I found that when I, the more I focus on something, the better I can be at it. You know, and so there, there's just such tremendous value in figuring out what it is you're going to do and focus on that. And if, if there's, now that, that, that doesn't mean that there isn't value to kind of having a broad range of experience, but boy, no one can do everything. And you're better off being really great at one thing than being pretty good at a hundred things. In taking a case, do you consider the notion of, can you make the client happy? I, I think you're smart if you do. And I certainly try to, and there's, there's two aspects of that. One is, are you going to, be able to be successful because I, you know, I don't like to get involved in cases where I don't think that I'm going to be successful. I, I actively look for reasons not to take cases because I've, I've never regretted a case that I haven't taken, but I have regretted some cases that I've taken. And just generally, if your client is someone that has reasonable expectations in general, it's going to make things a lot easier down the road when you get them a reasonable result. Because you don't get people 10 times what they're entitled to each and every case. What do you think about the notion that clients and attorneys really need to work together and to trust each other? Well, I, yeah, I think obviously you need to work together and you need to trust each other. But I think that a lot of that is on the attorney to give the client a reason to trust them. You know, I, I don't know exactly what the, what the public perception of attorneys are in 
California, but I can tell you in Texas, it's not always that good. And there are a lot of attorneys that have given people a lot of reasons not to trust attorneys. What do you think's the best advice you've ever received? You know, my mom gave me so much good advice. She had so much wisdom. You know, but one one thing she always used to say, and for some reason it stuck with me, is that, you know, a big shot's just a little shot that keeps on shooting. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and she also always used to tell me, you know, you, you really, if you, you've got just about everything that a person wants or needs, if you have enough money to put cheese on your hamburger. And, you know, I mean, if you, yeah, there's some really, wisdom to that, isn't there? I mean, there really is some you can spend your whole life always wanting more or, you know, always looking for what the next best thing is. But really, I mean, we're all pretty fortunate. You know, if, if you're a lawyer, something's gone right in your life that you were able to devote years of your life to, you know, studying and learning. And, you know, all of us that are lawyers, generally speaking, we're working in air conditioning. While there are people out there doing manual labor, you know, there are people on roofs that are in 100 degree heat. You know, there's people out on roads, you know, know, there's a lot of people in this world that, you know, when when they wake up in the morning and their back's a little sore, they just have to know that it's going to be worse by the time they're done doing a full day's work. You know, there's a lot of lawyers that are very unhappy. You know, suicide rates for lawyers are are pretty high. And it's and so, you know, on, on one hand I can say, hey, I'm I'm pretty fortunate to be a lawyer. But on the other hand, I've also, you know, I've I've known attorneys that have taken their own life. And sometimes I knew that they were going through trouble. Sometimes it was just a complete surprise. But then, you know, so that's something for me to keep in mind as well, that, you know, even though I'm very fortunate to be living my life. Not everybody living a very kind of similar life might be feeling so good about it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we all have a lot to be grateful for. And yet lawyers do suffer depression and suffer from dealing with the, the troubles of the world that are brought to us. Yeah, and it's understandable. Do you think the legal system is fair? Well, I, I think the legal system here in the United States is fantastic. That said, are there injustices? Absolutely there are. But I, I think, you know, we, we always think of justice as, you know, Lady Justice, and she's standing there blindfolded with her scales of justice. And, you know, that that's an ideal of perfection that we aspire to. And anytime you aspire to an ideal of perfection, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Now, if you if you kind of take a step back and you think, you know, what's the legal system replacing, you know, what was how were people resolving their disputes before the legal system kind of came to be? There were gunfights. You know, there, there were gunfights and strong people just did whatever they want and weak people just kind of had to let them. So, you know, if you look at the legal system, what we're replacing and, you know, what what justice, for lack of a better term, was you know not not too long ago there you know it's kind of mind-boggling how unjust the world is if you compare it to how it used to be you'll think wow this legal system we're doing a lot of really great things here you and your wife work together what other things do you like to do as a family 
Well, as a family, what we like to do is chase around our little six-year-old boy. He just turned six. Oh, that's and, great. And, you know, there's, I, I really, I don't think that there's a moment we spend that we're not just kind of together as a family. What kind of things keep you up at night? Thinking about cases is what keeps me up at night. Thinking that I do something wrong. You know, it, it's not so much the fear of losing as much as the fear of letting someone down. Or, the, you know, there, there's so many different things that it's, it's not unusual for me to get up in the middle of the night and go just to check to make sure that something was calendared a certain way. You know, and that's that's on top of having just a compulsive system that, you know, we, we have rules and we follow them just, you know, A, B, C and D. But I, I would say that and, and just, you know, looking at my little boy and thinking how fragile he is and kind of how scary that is. And then also how sad it is when I think of when I was a prosecutor and also to a certain extent as a criminal defense attorney, you know, a good long time ago when I handled those cases, just the the tragedy that so many kids grow up around. Let's say you and your wife came into some real money, a few billion dollars. What, if anything, would you do differently in your life? A few billion. Well, boy, you know what? I, I, one thing I can guarantee you that my wife would do is, you know, I, I just, I can't even imagine the, the, the charity. I just, she'd, she'd give most of it away to charity. I mean, frankly, I don't know what I'd do with even, even just one billion. You know, I mean, you know, you kind of reach a certain, I've, I've just got a very simple kind of very comfortable life. So, I mean, I, I hate to say, oh, I would give it away to charity because I'm kind of presenting myself as being more of a saint than I really am. You know, I, 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 I wouldn't need a fancy car. Maybe it'd be nice to have an airplane so I could go wherever I wanted to whenever I wanted to go there. But even then, it's probably easier to just get a plane ticket. You know what? I'd, I'd never think about money ever again, I guess. I mean, I'd, that'd be the biggest day-to-day change. Isn't, you know, not what you get or what you do. Just the fact that you'd, you'd never have to think about it. I, I kind of think that's the question. Like, what would you do differently if, if money was right. just not an issue in your personal life? I would, I would probably work about half as much as I do. You know, I, I, I don't think I'd just stop because then you'd just be sitting around doing nothing. Let's say you had a magic wand that was one thing in the world, in the legal world or otherwise, that you could change. What would that be? You know, I, I guess everybody, everybody is a, a kid would grow up in a happy, healthy home. Would, would that be one thing? Does, does that count as a whole bunch of things? No, I think that's one thing. You know, I mean, if you if you gave I, so it, it it would have if you give me one, it would be something like that. If you gave me three, it'd be two things like that, and my swimming pool full of gold. We've talked about a number of things. Have you had any mentors who have really influenced you in your life or your career? You know, I, I've had so many. Obviously, my parents. You know, are probably the the first most influential mentors I've ever had. I don't think that I've I've ever had a boss that I've worked for that wasn't outstanding. I, I've, I've really been fortunate in that regard that I've never really had a job where I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was learning from somebody that was just at the top of their game. And I, you know, to a certain extent, I guess I get credit for that from putting myself in positions 
to learn from really great people. So I, I don't know if I really have any wisdom to give you from that other than, you know, be very careful, not just who you hang out with whenever you're thinking about, you know, professionally and, and mentors, but just in general, you know, if, if you're around positive people, it's going to put good things in your head. And, and if you're around people that don't do the right thing, you know, morally, ethically, legally, or otherwise, it's going to get real easy to start kind of acting the same way yourself. Stephen Foster, thank you so much for joining me today from Texas on the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. It's really been a pleasure uh, being on here, and it's also a pleasure listening to all your other great guests. I appreciate what you're doing here. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com, where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks, as always, to my guests who share their wisdom, and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. The best thing I ever did was marry my wife because I, that was the best thing I could have done for my family. It's the best thing I could have done for my law practice and certainly the best thing I've ever done for me.